Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Monday, September the 19th. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thank you so much for joining us. The body of Queen Elizabeth II will be laid to rest today alongside her husband, Prince Philip. The world has gathered to hear tributes to her life, dignity, grace, faith, to grieve. Queen Elizabeth II um, is being... uh, celebrated and honored a full state funeral has taken place Uh, heads of state religious leaders the royal family um, all present bearing witness to her faith and devotion her love of family her lifelong sense of duty and dedication to her people prince george age nine princess charlotte age seven thought to be some of the youngest ever to take a central role in such an occasion Literally billions of viewers tuned in this morning um, around the world to watch the service. A million mourners expected to be physically present, filling one square mile around Buckingham Palace. So here's what's already taken place. The choir of Westminster Abbey sang the five sentences as the Queen's coffin was carried into Westminster Abbey at the start of the service. These five sentences are lines of scripture set to music, and they have been used at every state funeral since the turn of the 18th century. Then a specially commissioned piece featuring Psalm 42 set to music was sung. Then Psalm 23 was read in unison. The sermon delivered by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, followed by an anthem and then a series of prayers. Here's a portion of those prayers. Let us commend to the mercy of God our Maker and Redeemer, the soul of Elizabeth, our late Queen. Heavenly Father, King of kings, Lord and giver of life, who of thy grace in creation didst form mankind in thine own image, and in thy great love offerest us life eternal in Christ Jesus claiming the promises of thy most blessed Son, we entrust the soul of Elizabeth, our sister here departed, to thy merciful keeping, in sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life, when Christ shall be all in all, who died and rose again to save us, and now liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit in glory forever. Amen. 4.1 billion people, or around that number, heard those words. And even in that brief prayer, the gospel is presented. God is declared God of creation, God of Christ, God of love, God of resurrection, God of glory. 
We entrust the soul of Elizabeth, our sister, in a sure and certain hope of resurrection. 4.1 billion people, or maybe more, heard those words. There is opportunity today to talk about life and death and God and hope and Jesus. Following the state funeral, the Queen's casket travels to Westminster Castle for the committal service at St. George's Chapel. The bells of Westminster Abbey will be rung, fully muffled. Today's a good day to talk about life and death, to talk about our plans. What verses of Scripture do you want read? What songs do you want sung? What messages do you want delivered? What traditions do you want observed? Which, which uh, you know, members of your family or friends in church do you want to have participate and step forward? Let me tell you right now, I want, I want no open casket. I don't want an open casket. I don't want much said about me. I want the gospel to be proclaimed. I want there to be a clear and rather prolonged altar call during which I want faithful Christian brothers and sisters to stand around the perimeter of whatever room we happen to be in to receive people who want to talk about what it means to follow Jesus in this life and the next. I don't much care where I'm buried or if there is even a marker here upon the earth. You can rest assured of where I'll be and who I'll be with because I'll be at home in the Father's house with the Lord. Today, as the entire world turns its attention to a life well-lived in Christ, let us pray for the thwarting of any and all who might seek to use this event for any form of evil. Let us pray for God to be glorified and for Jesus Christ to gain a witness. Let us pray that the very music played, inspired by the Christian faith, would itself be a witness. Let us pray for Christians who find themselves in proximity to people who might be asking eternal questions in the face of death for the very first time. Let us pray for one another as we consider the life we live and the legacy we leave behind and the things we hope to have spoken of us when we die. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Mindy Bells joins us now. You can uh, find her Substack, the Globetrot blog at mindybells.substack.com. Mindy, welcome back. Hi, Carmen. Hi. I know you've been uh, watching the Queen's funeral. So any uh, reflections you want to offer on what we're witnessing today? Well, I do think it's remarkable. I mean, you have to remember that this is a country that just went through, you know, major collapse of its government. We saw Boris Johnson turned out of office. And, you know, just three days before the Queen's death, um, she uh, anointed, approved the installation of Liz Truss, who, you know, here today was standing in the high pulpit, uh, speaking words from scripture over the queen's body at her funeral. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. And so I think that we're seeing at a, at a time of, you know, the kind of global anarchy, global um, uh, feels like disarray that you and I talk about so much. We're seeing these wheels of a constitutional monarchy turn in remarkable ways. And I, th- I thought the funeral was just an amazing picture of, of the deep traditions um, of the monarchy in Britain combined with some contemporary elements. You know, you saw 
you saw members of the clergy from all the churches of England um, praying over her at one point. I thought that was very moving that you had Catholics, Protestants, evangelicals, and um, and of course the Church of England presiding over all of it. And um, so we saw these contemporary elements sort of sneaking in, but this amazing pageantry and and just the you know the the remarks that or the sermon I should say from um, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, where he he talked about the pattern for many leaders is to be exalted in life and forgotten after death. The pattern for all who serve God is that death is the door to glory. And so we really have this amazing moment to me in the midst of of war and, and chaos of a, a leader in the free world who represented both the the uh, realm of the state and and the realm of God, I think, in a, mm-hmm. in a very remarkable way. Yeah, if you're not already a s- subscriber to um, Mindy's um, Substack, uh, the Globetrot, you need to be. Um, one of the things in the September 9th edition that you that you noted is uh, what C.S. Lewis offered in watching the Queen's coronation in 1953. I loved this quote, so thank you for including it, Mindy. The pressing of that huge, heavy crown on that small, young head becomes a sort of symbol of the situation of humanity itself. Humanity called by God to be his vice regent and high priest on earth, yet feeling so inadequate. Um, She really lived into um, her calling in a very, very beautiful way, always acknowledging her subservience to Christ, even as she was um, uh, the head of state uh, and um, and saw the transition of an empire um, and many, many, uh, many, many wars and rumors of wars and devastation. I mean, just really a remarkable life and legacy. Um, Mindy, let's um, let's take a brief pause and then when we come back, let's uh, let's take a globe trot around the world because you have in view many situations that we would like to be brought up to speed on, not least of which um, are new mass graves discovered in Ukraine. We're talking with Mindy Bells. You can read what she's writing and get more of what we're talking about today on her Substack, mindybells.substack.com. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Some huge decisions ahead um, for the president and the people of Ukraine. They've had a very successful counteroffensive in the northeast of the country, but they've got an ongoing, very messy war with Russia. Um, continuing our conversation with Mindy Bells. Mindy, give us a sense of your sense of wh- what we're looking at now in Ukraine and the decision that the Ukrainians are now going to be facing as they head into winter. 
Well, it's um, it, it continues to be, you know, a very a very big undertaking that is upon the Ukrainians and trying to beat back Russian forces. They made a, a dramatic uh, advance over the past, let's say, ten days, and and really, I, I mean, I think that military historians will be studying how they did this. Um, but it's it's really important to just note that they recaptured more territory in one week than Russia was able to capture in five months of fighting. But there is a huge toll and a huge cost here. And I, th- I think it's, you know, it's going to what's ahead is going to depend, as it has so far, on how the West continues to support and, and arm the Ukrainians. Um, the United States clearly supporting them with intelligence, real time intelligence. And also with, um, as we know now, billions in in weapons. Um, But here's the grim reality. I think it really comes down to what we're seeing in the aftermath of this kind of counteroffensive, where you have this forest, (coughs) excuse me, outside of Izium, where they've quickly uncovered, um, you know, multiple mass grave sites. And at one of the mass grave sites, they already have accounted for 400 civilians. There are Ukrainian soldiers buried there, but keep in mind 400 civilians. And there are literally, I'm I'm watching scenes of this online right now, 100 investigators who are shoveling up these graves and, and pulling these civilians out of the ground and finding very quickly, they've already found one with a rope around it, um, the body, uh, indicating torture, and multiple ones showing signs of torture. And so we, we have sort of the extremes of, of war that, you know, we have thought of, of as like the terrorist tools and things like this. And, and Russia is known for this. Russia supervised this in its war on Chechnya. Russia instigated this in its um, support for the Assad regime in Syria, that, that terrorist tactics, war crimes go along with, with the fighting. And so the toll that that takes on both sides, um, but particularly on the side of the Ukrainians who are literally digging up their fellow countrymen and realizing this could be, this could be something that they're finding all over the country uh, and for years to come. And so, so we're in a long saga that um, I think we can, you know, just stand and be amazed at, at what the Ukrainians have been able to do. And, and, and then the great challenge is how, the rest of the world continues to support them and how Russia is brought to accounting for it. All right. I want to pivot, um, but ever so, uh, you know, ever so narrowly, um, Azerbaijan and uh, and Armenia, there is a, a, a flare up that we need to know about there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's not unrelated to the larger conflict that the West faces with um, with Russia, and that is that this, uh, Azerbaijan has been a closely allied, you know, going back to the time of the Soviet Union, um, close ally of, of Moscow uh, within Azerbaijan uh, for about 30 years have been these enclaves that are majority, and by majority I mean like 98%. Armenian, ethnically, religiously Armenian. So you have a predominantly Muslim um, client state of Moscow with these pockets of predominantly Christian Armenians within their borders. And so there's been this long-running conflict in these two regions. And 
it had um, subsided for a while. They had reached a truce and accommodation where these uh, Armenian populations were allowed to continue to be, but but it's never been fully settled. And so we saw it begin to flare up in Nagorno-Karabakh. That's one of the areas uh, two years ago. And we saw about 100 people killed. So, but, but the biggest thing is recognizing the destruction that is happening to what are historic Armenian areas. And, and Cornell has done just an amazing job using satellite imagery to show that of 110 religious, Christian religious sites, that's monasteries, um, some burial sites and churches in Nagorno-Karabakh in this region, um, 108 of them have been destroyed. And that's what's happening and what we wanna be watching is just this extermination of a Christian population. What is strategically important about this is that if you look at a map, Armenia sits wedged between Turkey and Nagorno-Karabakh. And so as we watch Turkey increase its alliance with radical Islamic countries, increase its alliance with Russia, we're going to see Armenia, a European Christian dominant democracy, increasingly squeezed. And so we can't ignore the, the conflict. I hope that makes sense. We can't ignore the conflict that is happening with these small pockets of Armenian populations because it has everything to do with what happens to Armenia itself. Yeah, be, be um, checking out what uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is saying. Um, she has been strongly condemning the illegal and deadly attacks by Azerbaijan. Um, and so we want to, um, you know, certainly uh, uphold that as the U.S., does, um, you know, at least pay attention and flex its, flex its, its muscles um, in this particular situation. Um, we got a couple of minutes, Mindy. Um, tell us, because, you know, I think this is on no one's radar, Kyrgyzstan mm-hmm. and Tajikistan, what, what's going on there? Yeah, and, you know, you all put this on my radar, to be perfectly honest. Um, but we've had, uh, again... I, th- I think we're going to begin to see that um, you have the Putin regime in Russia is exercising this inordinate muscle trying to create this uh, sort of recreate imperialist Russia, however you want to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with these ambitions and, and what we're starting to see is these flare ups in the um the former republics of the Soviet Union that are most closely bordering uh, Russia itself. And and so this is one that um, I think you're right, it's on no one's radar. And yet last week we saw this um, fighting erupt at the border with Kyrgyzstan and with um, Tajikistan. And um, several dozen people killed and no one is really it's it's really just not even clear what the current issues are and and what is happening. But I, I think it is it does fit into a larger picture of how we're going to see sort of restive populations acting up around the perimeter of Russia as as we see have this very destabilized situation in that part of the South Caucasus in Asia. Yeah. And internally displaced people in the hundreds of thousands. Like we're not talking about absolutely. Small con- I mean, we think of them as like small conflict zones, but we're talking about hundreds of thousands, you know, of people internally displaced. Um, it just it, yeah, it's really. It, yeah. Extraordinary. Always what we don't want to lose sight of are the hundreds of thousands of civilians who are not parties to these conflicts, mm-hmm. but who pay the largest price by losing their homes, losing their livelihoods. Amen. 
All right. Um, give us a minute on this Putin G meetup. Well, I I think it's very interesting that this was a long planned meetup that actually comes at the end of these remarkable gains that we talked about at the start uh, in Ukraine. And so so you have a, a, a Vladimir Putin who is trying to appear strong, but who actually it's, his, his military is on its heels. And I think it's going to be. And at the same time, you know, often we look at these men like G, men like Putin as the predators that they are, the predator rulers that they are. But keep in mind that they are they're contested rulers within their own countries, both autocrats oppressing their own people, people who are suffering as a result of their rule. They these are very destabilized situations. And so you have two rulers who I would say are under tremendous pressure at home coming together, trying to make an alliance. But suddenly uh, you know, Xi has to be questioning who he's aligning himself with. It's someone who cannot defeat this uh, ragtag army in Ukraine. And so I, I think that what w- will happen here again is is anyone's guess, um, because I, I don't see China maybe jumping in as it might have if it saw Putin on the ascendancy right now. Hmm so helpful. Mindy, as always, thank you so much. You guys ought to be tracking with Mindy Bells on her Globetrot blog. You can find it on Substack. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right. If you're listening now um, on radio, I too am thankful for Heinrich Hertz and Guillermo Marconi, but I'm also thankful for... um, Uh, the U.S. Constitution and freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And I'm thankful for the protection of those freedoms over these airwaves. And I'm thankful for every single person who um, has given the financial resources necessary for this broadcast ministry to exist and to expand and go forth. And so I'm thankful for you. Um, And so there you go. On and on and on and on and on. My thanks goes. Hey, uh, let's be praying today for the people of Alaska. Typhoon Murbach has left a thousand miles of coastline facing various degrees of flooding and damage to infrastructure and all of the people there. Um, And it's hurricane season fully upon us. Hurricane Fiona slammed into Puerto Rico yesterday. The entire uh, 3.2 million person island is now without power some 25 to 30 inches of rain, depending on the portion of the island you're in. Storm surge, mudslides, catastrophic flooding, on and on and on. So let's be uh, praying for people in both Alaska and in Puerto Rico today as they face recovery efforts in those places. All right, next up, um, here's the question before us. War is hell for sure. What happens to the men and women who go to war on our behalf? How do they deal with hell when they come home? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The book is The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. Fernando Arroyo joins us now. Fernando, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I feel like we should probably offer 
um, some kind of heads up and warning for those listening. So um, because you're in a better position to do that than I am, for people who you know might um, have what could be described as PTSD, war residue, a soul wound, um, what do they need to know before you and I start talking? Um, I've been to war three times. I was a paratrooper. I was trained to jump out of airplanes, to shoot, move, communicate, and kill. And that's what my story entails. There's a lot of uh, violence. There's uh, gunfights, um, all the things that war fighters do. And that's what people are going to hear about. So if you're listening right now and um, there are little ears in the car on the way to school, um, this might be one of those conversations that you want to um, uh, put your earbuds in for or maybe one that you want to listen to as a part of the podcast um, posted at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can just listen to Mornings with Carmen a little bit later today um, because uh, Fernando and I are going to talk about um, the realities of war, um, the battles that uh, he fought on what you and I think of as war terrain, and then also the battle for his soul, which, thanks be to God, um, is a battle won in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Fernando, um, it's, a hard, it's hard to know really where to start this conversation, because if we start at the beginning with the sensory experiences that you describe in the opening of the book, um, I mean, I think the word sickening is, is probably the best word, and yet I don't really know a better place to start. Um, and so... Maybe maybe take us to the scene um, that you experienced, but then also the one that you seem to relive in your nightmares. <clears throat> to the scene that I experienced and relive in my nightmares, um, one of the one of the most intense battles that I faced when I was in combat was when a suicide bomber packed a truck. I think it was a bongo truck with about 2,000 pounds of explosives and drove it into a joint security station and wiped out an Iraqi police station. And there were over 19 Iraqi policemen killed in that moment, followed by a, a team of insurgents, about 20 insurgents, storming what was left of the joint security station where our my American brothers from Charlie Company of my unit were you know, had concussions and they're trying to get on their feet to fight. So my platoon was called to go and save them. And I went right into that. And it was for one hour we fought. And in that one hour, once the, the, the fighting was over to keep the insurgents from taking over this base, um, we won that battle. And we killed over 170 or 200 bad guys. That was like the estimated uh, body count. So that was one of the intense moments that when I came back from Iraq, um, I didn't always have nightmares about the things that I did. It was kind of like my, my brain twisted things up where I would have nightmares about um, what the psychologist will later call, tell me were death dreams of mm-hmm you know, having survived so many near-death experiences and my mind just reliving them and those nightmares were haunting me. Mm-hmm. And that led to a, um, a particular event one day 
um, when you thought that maybe it would be better um, if you didn't wake up um, and and you considered taking your own life, but something pretty dramatic happened. Can you share that portion of your story? Yeah. When, uh, so, so many of my friends have committed suicide, sadly. Uh, a lot of guys that I serve with are, are no longer here, and it's not because the enemy took them. It was because they took their own lives. And I was going to be, I was on my way to become one of those veterans that, you know, I think the statistic is 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Mm. And I reached a low point when, you know, I was sick of the nightmares. I was, uh, I was just exhausted. You know, um, the invisible wounds of war, the, the, the mental trauma, the emotional trauma, it all affects us physically. Like it, it, your, your mental wounds will affect you physically. I was exhausted and I reached a point where I thought, okay, it's time for me to take my own life. So one night I put a gun in my mouth and I remember um, I said a prayer in my mind and I said, God, if you're there, save me. And I took the safety off the pistol and I had it in my mouth. I was, you know, tears were rolling down my cheeks and I thought, okay, um, this is going to be a surprise. I'm just going to put my thumb on the trigger, squeeze, and then it's, you know, just all going to end. And then I said in my, in my mind, God, if you're there, save me. And there was no response. So then I put my thumb on the trigger, closed my eyes, and I heard a boom. That boom shocked me. It scared me. I opened my eyes. I dropped the pistol. And I looked around me, and I didn't see there was any blood. I checked my head for a wound. There was no bullet hole mm. in my head. And then I noticed what I heard, the boom that I heard, was my Bible on my office desk. It, it fell to the floor. So God did show up that day. Mm. We're talking with uh, Fernando Arroyo. Um, his website is paratrooperarroyo.com. His book, The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. Um, Fernando, um, you are engaged in really active ministry today. I mean, you you didn't just go on to get an education. You went on to really serve um I mean, you're serving in really, really extraordinary ways. Can you share with folks a couple of minutes about the Step Forward Academy and what you're doing today? Yeah, at Step Forward Academy, what we do is uh, through mentorship and coaching, we help veterans to find their calling, find their career, uh, find community so that um, they find purpose. One of the biggest problems I had was purpose. You know, I got out of the Army and I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do when I got out, but then I, I just, I felt all alone. Like so many veterans, we go from being a part of this brotherhood and, you know, where my, my brothers to my left and my right were willing to lay down their life for me. And then if you come out here, less than 1% of Americans have served in the military or serve in the military. And so being a veteran out here, it's kind of, uh, I guess, lonely. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Mm -hmm. And through mentorship and coaching, um, the aim is to help veterans find a career, find community, and to end veteran suicide. We want to, we're partnering up with several other veteran nonprofits. And uh, we are a Christian faith-based nonprofit. So, I mean, the most important thing, uh, the greatest hope anyone can have is eternal life through Christ. And that's number one, the gospel is of the utmost importance. 
And uh, when you put God first in your life, everything else will 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 uh, fall right where it needs to be. And so bringing hope to veterans is is uh, our main mission. I love it. You guys can find that at Step Forward Academy dot org step forward academy dot org we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with fernando arroyo you can find him at paratrooperarroyo.com his book the shadow of death from my battles in fallujah to the battle for my soul you're listening to mornings with carmen i'm carmen laburge and this is faith radio thanks for listening to the podcast of mornings with carmen as you know this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the faith radio network there's a lot going on at faith radio Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Hey, if you're a regular listener to Mornings with Carmen, you know I have a son who spent uh, two tours of duty in Afghanistan as a Marine. Um, You know we've talked about the soul wound. You know we've talked about... um, things that go beyond physical injuries. You also know the the stories of redemption that we have featured here. Fernando Arroyo uh, is an Army Ranger, did all kinds of crazy things that are chronicled in his book, uh, The Shadow of Death, From My Battles in Fallujah to the Battle for My Soul. He is one of the reasons you and I enjoy the freedoms we enjoy here in the United States of America today. Um, Fernando, thank you so much for being here, for telling your story, for the ministry you now do through the Step Forward Academy and elsewhere. Can you take us back? I mean, we just celebrated the 21st anniversary of 9-11. Um, I am thinking you were like 17 at the time. You hadn't finished high school. Take us take us back um, to to when you enlisted in the U.S. Army, um, into your what your life looked like and um, and that sense of calling. Yeah, as a kid, I knew I wanted to join. Um, yeah, I was like five or six years old when Operation Desert Storm took place, and I saw the action on TV, and I thought, oh, that's cool to to be a ground troop. That would be awesome. And then 10 years later, it's September 11, 2001, and yeah, I was 17 years old, and I was a senior in high school in the city of Bell Gardens. And I remember walking into my first class, and my buddy Max he said, hey, did you, did you hear about the explosion at the World Trade Center? And I said, no. He said, yeah, I think someone blew up a bomb. I thought, wow, that's weird. So it wasn't until my second class, um, everyone was still in the classroom. Some of the students were crying and they were staring at a TV in front of the classroom. So I walked in and, and I saw what they were looking at. And I saw the Twin Towers on fire. Um, I watched the, the second plane hit. And then I saw people jumping out of these buildings that were burning because they would rather commit suicide than burn alive. Then I heard that America was under attack. And at the age of 17, uh, as a senior in high school, it was my time to answer the call. And I did. So on September 29, 2001, I had swore to defend this country and I signed a contract to, uh, you know, serve as a paratrooper to jump out of airplanes and fight. And 
it was uh, about a year later, it was August of 2002, when uh, I had graduated high school and I was shipped out to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. And then I, I just remember um, the first time I got on an airplane was to go train to parachute out of airplanes. And I know. This is, okay, so this is the question that I have, that I have written down next, because first of all, you you signed up to jump out of airplanes having never been on an airplane. And then the first time you get on an airplane is to fly from L.A. to Fort Benning, Georgia, and God plants you in a seat next to a guy um, who asks you a pretty profound question. I mean, this conversation that takes place during your first flight ever is pretty extraordinary. Can you can you take us into that uh, into that experience? Yeah, I'm on the airplane and before it even takes off, you know, there's the the pilots are testing the the gears and things and I'm hearing noises I've never heard before and I'm thinking is everything okay? And then as soon as it starts the plane starts moving to take off, it's shaking. But that's all normal, but I didn't know that, you know, and I was uh, I was scared. I remember just thinking like, "Oh no, like I no wonder the recruiter tried to talk me out of jumping out of planes. This is stupid." <laughs> and then uh, so we're in the air and I look out the window and I'm thinking, oh no, no way I'll be able to jump from this high up. Like, you know, so the guy next to me saw I was concerned and I don't remember his name. I never saw him I mean, again. he's just a regular guy. He's just flying on an airplane like me to some meeting somewhere. Like, right. He's just a regular <laughs> person. Yeah. Yeah. This regular guy. And then he notices I'm worried and he starts asking me what's going on. And I tell him, yeah, I, I signed up to parachute out of an airplane and you know, I'm going to the army and I think I just made the biggest mistake of my life and he says yeah he asked me do you believe in Jesus Christ and I said yeah I, I'm a Christian and then he told me he asked me why I joined I said because I I feel it's my calling it's some you know and he says did you pray about it I said yeah I prayed about it he says well then God will get you through it and I thought oh that's right God is the one who put it in my heart I signed up like it's going to be me depending on him. It's going to be he's going to work miracles. That's what God does. So, yeah, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia and finished infantry school and then airborne school. And I successfully jumped out of an airplane five times and passed airborne school. So God did get me through. All right. And then what comes next? Like kind of give us the, uh, you know, the <clears throat> rapid fire um, uh, progression from there to um, to Fallujah. Yeah, rapid fire. I got on a bus after airborne school, went to uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the home of the Airborne and Special Operations Forces. And I volunteered to be in a reconnaissance team or platoon. So I made it through that two week tryout. And then I trained, um, did more advanced training, more shooting, more uh, recon and sniper training. And then we, we got the call that we're going to Iraq and I didn't know I was going to Fallujah. I didn't even know about anything about Fallujah. All I knew is that we were going to land at the Baghdad international airport. And I remember landing there. And when I got out of the airplane, it was just, it was, I think it was 120 degrees. And with the blast from the heat of the, 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 the C-130 cargo plane, I had instant chaplets. 
And I remember I just thought, man, this is like, this is so hot. This is going to be terrible. And I had all this combat gear on my body armor, helmet, weapons, hand grenades, flashbangs, everything. So I'm carrying a bunch of weight and I'm just sweating and I can't stop. And then, uh, yeah, that's, uh, about oh, two weeks after we landed at Baghdad International Airport, I was in Fallujah, Iraq, where I would mm. be for the next six or seven months. And we were carrying out counterinsurgency operations, missions to kill or capture high-value targets, counter IED operations, um, just uh, yeah. going into the city and getting in gunfights, like every time we went in. Or, you know, I don't know how many IEDs almost got me, but I, I experienced several uh, roadside bomb explosions and um yeah no, nothing ever no bullet ever touched me not one piece of shrapnel ever touched me it's extraordinary um it's extraordinary you guys need to read the book um in part so that you will understand the price being paid um for our freedom and the preservation of it the book is the shadow of death from my battles in fallujah to the battle for my soul um you also need to read the book so that you can understand the, the very real redemptive power and grace of God, the peace which passes all understanding. Um, Fernando's, you know, full testimony. Um, Fernando, um, thank you so much for for who you are, what you've done, what you're doing every day now um, in terms of serving others at the Step Forward Academy. You guys check that out and share it with veterans you know, stepforwardacademy.org. Um, Fernando, um, would you also just share your deepest gratitude um with your parents, like tell them we're so grateful um, for them and um, and for you and for your family's service because we we recognize that um, you know this isn't just about you. This is about um, this is about so many others. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so many others and the 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 families of of you know the parents who watch their their sons and daughters join and uh they didn't come back home alive yeah um i know you know there's just so much so many sacrifices that have been made for this great nation and uh, just yesterday i saw my parents and mm. uh yeah i'm still here and they're yeah. still here and i get to spend time with them so many of my friends don't get to do that so i know well uh, will you call your and, mama yeah will you call your mama and tell her thank you for me <laughs> I'll tell okay. you that. Yeah. All right. Hey, you guys, this is uh, Fernando Arroyo. You can you can find him online and visit with him and get all kinds of resources at paratrooperarroyo.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Go forth, O Christian soul, from this world. In the name of God the Father Almighty who created thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who suffered for thee. In the name of the Holy Spirit, who was poured out upon thee and anointed thee. In communion with all the blessed saints, and aided by the angels and archangels and all the armies of the heavenly host, may thy portion this day be in peace and thy dwelling in the heavenly Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. Friends, as you're walking your faith out into the world that God so loves today, 
Remember that there's like 4 billion people who heard those words prayed this morning and yet may not know, may not know how such could be said of them upon their death. Let's be people today who glorify God and share the goodness of the gospel with others. Because if the Queen of England knew she needed a king, how much more do we? Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.